0: While you're standing, let's give that to Jesus. He's the only one worthy of our praise. Come on, shout like you know him. Hallelujah. Now, while you're standing, turn to two or three people and say, Today is your day for your miracle. Amen. And my miracle, too. Is that all right? You may be seated. It is so awesome to be in the winner's church. I have a feeling I'm going to be a winner when I leave. (laughs) Beautiful worship. I fell in love with Pastor Siggy and Pastor Annie when we met them the first time. And I was telling him today, I remember, you know, we had about a, a year and a half of impartation services that my dad did after my mother passed away. That's why I knew it was 2011. Um, but, uh, we said, look, until the Lord takes him home, he's got something to impart. And even if he has to read his services and sit and, and, uh, lay hands on people, then that's what he's going to do. And he loved it. We had so many um, pastors come through, but I remember the day y'all came through. Well, first of all, who's named Siggy anyway, you know, it'll stick in your head, won't it? But I saw something on uh, your pastors, and obviously they didn't even know they were pastoring yet. Um, But God knew. You see, the one thing about evangelists, we've been in a lot of churches. We know the good, the bad, and the ugly. We know what we would do and what we wouldn't do. And most evangelists, we want to see God move in in a geographical area in a way where we're not just playing church. There's a lot of religion out there. There's a lot of um, people who get stuck in a rut. They think there's only one way to approach God and to to do what God does. But when you've been around the anointing and when you've seen God perform miracles and when you've been interrupted in your messages, which I have in Costa Rica, My, uh, I could tell that story maybe tonight. One of the first places the Lord led me after my dad passed was Costa Rica. And even, I couldn't even finish the message. Jesus interrupted me, came right on the field, and people were getting saved and healed. I didn't even have to touch him. I was in Guapales. And um, so there's so much that we see. We've learned that if it's the same old, same old, it ain't God. Because he is, his mercies are what? New every morning. So that means every day we should see something we haven't seen before. Amen? Amen. So I want to share some things with you before I do. I, I get so caught up in the word, sometimes I forget to tell you about the book table. All kinds of stuff I want you to look at. We've bought brought a lot of RW stuff. Uh, if you have an interest in, Tent evangelism. My dad was a tent evangelist. He went into the inner cities. He worked with A.E. Allen. He put together a CD collection of of six tent evangelists, including Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Amy Semple McPherson, Jack Coe, of course, my dad, and A.E. Allen. So there's one of each of their tapes, uh, CDs back there. And I don't think that's on USB. that That's for those of you that have CD player. But also, because it's Thanksgiving month, I asked my office to put on USB for you my very favorite message that my dad preached. And I've heard a lot of them. And it's hard to pick a very favorite one. But this one he preached at Lakewood Church. And I'm going to tell you, I was there. And people were coming out of their seats, and they stayed out of their seats. There was such a strong anointing. My dad could inspire people's faith. And it's called, Bless the Lord, I Get All the Benefits. And we, we uh, tell people about that every Thanksgiving because I believe we should cultivate an atmosphere of gratitude every day. Do you believe that? So go check it out. We've got gift books. I, I was part of uh, 50 women authors that were uh, did a devotional book. It's called The Invitation. I love to give it to women that are not saved. Everybody needs a little hope and inspiration, right? That's a good way to give it to them. But every one of those devotionals will lead them to God. And then uh, we've got a book that I co-wrote with my dad posthumously, and that's the book of his miracles. It's called The Anointing for Miracles, and I give you the daughter's eye view of what I witnessed uh, in his life, in my mother's life, and also I tell you how God began to work in my life to open up the gifts. I started out in Christian school education. I planted a school in New York City, and it was during that time that God called me to preach. And then God assigned me to be with my dad, and I became an afternoon speaker. But uh, God had to develop in me the gifts because I thought they were only assigned to one or two people. You know what I mean? I'm a great teacher, Dad's the healer. But when you are dealing with people in the inner cities and they come under the tent, a lecture isn't going to help them. You know, they need that uh, authority that comes from the Word of God. They need that to be released in their life, and God had to teach me that. How many of you know? We all have to learn, right? right. right. So uh, whatever the Lord directs you to back there, we've priced them very fairly. Take them all home if you want to. So this message, it was birthed. I was telling Pastor Siggy, I was watching an interview of a man I never heard of. He's the pastor of James River Church in Springfield, Missouri. And he was being interviewed by Jimmy Evans. And he was talking about revival. And I actually went to uh, undergraduate school in Springfield, Missouri. And I went to a lot of churches in Springfield, Missouri. And so if somebody were to say to me, Donna, guess where the next great revival is taking place? The last city on my checklist would be Springfield, Missouri. So that's why that interview got me my attention. I was listening to this pastor talk about the miracles that were taking place. And he was telling me something I didn't know, that Springfield has become the third worst city in Missouri, and that has to do with drugs and violence and suicide, nothing. It was the Bible Belt when I went there. So I'm hearing revival. I'm hearing Springfield, Missouri, and I'm hearing in a place where there's great need. Well, that sounds like the book of Acts to me, (laughs) that God begins to do something in a place where nobody expects it, and it seems to come out of nowhere, but I'm going to tell you right now, it never comes out of nowhere. (laughs) If there's a revival taking place, something has birthed that revival. And normally, it's not a man or a woman. It's not a spiritual sideshow. It's not some bag of tricks that does it. But if you investigate the historical revivals, you will find out that more times than not, they were birthed through people who decided to pray. And I'm going to tell you something. We in the American church, we've gotten really good at doing church. We've gotten really good at the worship experience. We've got eloquent speakers. We've got people, like you say, that know how to work and manipulate social media But those things in and of themselves, they may draw a crowd, but drawing a crowd is not revival. Laying on the floor doing carpet time is not revival. That might be something that gives us an emotional high. But if we go back to our houses unchanged, if the city is, is going up in crime, If there are more people dying of suicide, and we are doing more carpet time, there's something wrong with that equation. So we have to be a people that understand we all want to see revival. We all want to see the next great move of God. I don't know about you, but I would put both hands up if I could. We all want it. But what we have to understand is God has to put in us a desire to travail, to birth the thing through prayer. And we're all really good at singing, and I'm putting myself on this, this list. But if we say, our, if, if we're among the top 10 spiritual people, where is prayer on our list? For most people, prayer would be the last thing we think we'd be good at. And that's why we don't have revival. Let that sink in. So I'm going to do my best to get seven reasons done today. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, so you better take a few notes. Why we should pray. And this was birthed out of... My, my prayer and, and really being convicted myself. Seven Bible reasons why we should pray. Every Christian is called to pray. And the Bible is clear about why. Human nature is always looking to bypass prayer. We like to resolve matters in our own strength. And think about it. Rather than pray, we would like to talk to somebody else and ask their opinion. Rather than pray, we'd like to whine about why God hasn't kept his promise. Rather than pray, we're looking for a word that somebody's going to give us. Rather than pray, we're looking for somebody to slap us on the head and make all things better. Pastor Siggy probably knows this one. You call for a miracle night, and people call and say, well, pray for me. I'm sick. Excuse me. That's another subject, though. People say, well, why don't you pray? Well, God understands my situation. Yes, he does. He understands why you've got no spiritual energy, because you're not praying. Most people would rather ask somebody else to pray, wear preachers out, but you don't even know how to get on your knees. See, we as the body of Christ, we should be the ones coming to church, prayed up, praying for the pastor praying for those that might not be saved, that this would be the day that they would be saved, that miracles would take place, that we would bring somebody with us. One of the greatest miracles I saw was in uh, Tallinn, Estonia. And I couldn't speak people's language. All I said was, I'm going to line you up from wall to wall, and I'm going to come lay my hands on you, and I'm going to believe for your healing. If you're sick, get in line. And the first young man I prayed for was just standing there smiling at me. I didn't know what was wrong with him. I laid hands on him in the name of Jesus and kept going down the line like we do, Brother Siggy. And then all of a sudden, I hear this eruption where that young man was, and people were jumping up and down. I thought, well, there's a testimony there. But I just kept praying. And after the service, I said, "Uh, who was that young man to the pastor? He said, Donna, you're not going to believe it. He says, I picked him up off the road on the way to church. He's never been to church in his life His mother threw him out of a speeding vehicle when he was an infant. His feet were completely crushed. But when the power of God touched him, he began to jump up and down and run around. Hallelujah. And I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. This is what I'm saying. We want to see the great miracles. But are we praying? Are we looking? Are we picking people up? Are we doing what we need to do? Is anybody hearing me? So it's time to put our big girl and big boy expectors on. And we're going to start moving toward prayer with greater faith. Amen? I'm not talking about making yourself... Uh, cloistered. I'm talking about being aggressive and going before the throne, coming boldly to the throne of grace, to ask in the time of need. Yeah. Say God, this country, it's going to hell in a handbasket. God, we need revival. We need it from Washington, DC out to California and right here in Oklahoma City. God, we need you to move upon the hearts of people we got to get passionate. Yes, I vote. But my vote is not as important as going before the throne of heaven. I bring my vote to Jesus. Hallelujah. Because <coughs> he's the only one who decides who gets in anyway. Are you ready to go fast? Let's go. Reason number one, we should pray because Jesus prayed. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, 100% God and 100% man, only on this earth for 33 years, felt the need to spend half of his life in prayer, who do we think we are that we could get by in life, let alone minister, without going before the face of God? Jesus, the God-man, always prayed. He realized his time on earth was short. He needed clear and precise direction. He couldn't afford to make a mistake. He was strategic about the Father's business. He couldn't afford to spin his wheels like so many of us do. Whoops, I missed it there. Jesus didn't have time to miss it you getting tired of missing it? Get on your face. Do the other type of carpet time. (laughs) Face down. You see, with Jesus, every day counted. He was the redeemer of his time. Why did he redeem his time? Because before he did one thing, he was always in the place of prayer. And usually it was all night. We should pray because Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 said he prayed all night before following through on a monumental decision. This is what it says. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them, He chose 12 whom he also named apostles. So if you're a pastor or a leader, here's Jesus modeling. If you have to make a monumental decision, you best not go in shooting from the hip. Jesus was choosing those that would be the founders of his church. And the Bible says that he spent the entire night in prayer. He didn't do it because of some type of nepotism or familial bond. He did it because God says, these are the ones that I'm going to use to build my church. And so when we make decisions, we got to pray. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, this is Matthew 14, 22 22 and 23. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. So I want you to notice this about Jesus' life. When he went to pray, he was alone. That means he shut the door. He turned off the cell phone. He shut down the TV. You hearing me? He didn't have one eye on Facebook when he prayed. It wasn't a headache prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for all you do for me, God. (laughs) He spent time with his father on the mountain. He was intentional about what he was praying about both times. He was purposeful. He wanted God's will for what he was about to do. And write this down. He spent a significant amount of time. Now, a significant amount of time is going to be different for all of us because if you're not praying at all, five minutes can be significant. And I'm not being facetious. Sometimes just time out what five minutes feels like, it can feel like an eternity. Especially when you when you're used to saying, "Lord, I thank you, I love you, I bless you." Good night. That takes about ten seconds. Now fill up the rest. It's kind of quiet in here. See, significant amount of time for him. It was all night because he had big decisions to make. Don't you think revival's a big decision? Don't you think getting your, your community saved is a big decision? We, got, we need some strategy. Well, that's birthed out of prayer, not out of our bright ideas. Trust me, I've tried a lot of bright ideas that fell flat on their face. And this one time that Jesus was praying was right before he was getting ready to cut, confront a devil that was a territorial spirit. And when Jesus confronted that devil, that man became the evangelist for the region. So you don't know what your prayer life is going to evoke. You don't know what's going to come of your all-night-in-prayer. We talked about Venezuela. Many of you might know Venezuela, uh, up until this time, has been closed to Americans. There is a a complete communist regime in there. The people have been starving. There's no medical supplies. But my crusade uh, director... For South America, he called me. He said, Donna, I have a group of pastors. You can come in and go right out. He says, it's very dangerous. We want you to preach. I asked my board about it. They said, God always sends you to dangerous places. I got that from my daddy. (laughs) But he said, you're going to see the worst hunger and the worst sickness you've ever seen in your life. And I've seen the worst. But you see, when I go in, and he said it to me, and he knows I know it. When he says, When you go in, you better be prayed up. But here's the way I view it I'm not going to be there for weeks, I can't be there for weeks. But I can make a deposit one night. There can be evangelists in that meeting. There can be pastors in that meeting. And the Holy Ghost can make a deposit that can take that country. It doesn't have to be about me. It has to be about what the Holy Ghost wants to do. So when we go prayed up and filled up and we have the word of the Lord in our mouth because we've spent time with the Father, we can see an entire nation change. Not because we talk to everybody but because somebody's been released through the power of prayer and agreement with that prayer. So we pray because Jesus prayed. Reason number two, we pray because Jesus expects us to pray. In Matthew 6, Jesus repeatedly says, and when you pray. He never said if you pray. He said, when you pray, and then he took it a step further and said, when you pray, pray in this manner. He gave us the pattern of how to pray. Now, Larry Lee made this very clear to us. I believe he got it from Dr. Cho, and um, it's praying through an hour by following the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Worship. Let thy kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom be established on earth right here in my family, right here in Oklahoma City. God, I pray that you will deal with the kingdoms of this world, Lord, and let the kingdom of heaven be established in your power and authority right here, God. Let your will be done. Father, it's not your will for drugs to operate like they do in my neighborhood. It's not your will that our children are being taken captive by the the demons of hell. It's not your will that our young people are committing suicide. It's not your will that people are dying of COVID. Lord, let your will be done. And so we begin to pray the pattern of the Lord's prayer through the unction of the Holy Spirit. And things begin to change. Is anybody hearing me? So Jesus gave us the admonition to pray. He taught us how to pray. He also expects us to fast and pray for greater results, but I'll let you alone today. Let's get the habit of prayer down first, because then you'll have the strength to fast. Number three, the reason number three, prayer affects our outcomes. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. There's so much in that. The shutting the door, the getting alone with God. We've already talked about that. And your father, now don't miss this part, your father who sees you in the secret place. In other words, you're not at the party. You're not hanging out. You're not tripping with your friends. You're not doing all that stuff. Your father who sees you paying the price. In prayer will reward you openly see we all want the reward we all want to be the one who's got that 10,000 seat crusade we all want to be the one that gets the credit for taking our city for God we all want to be the one that has the outstanding miracles to me that's the reward of prayer but if we're not praying, we haven't earned it. I mean, that's not really what the Bible says, but there is something, there's reward that's given to those that will sacrifice in prayer. See, let's, let's establish this by at least two. Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is what? A rewarder. Of those who sit on the front row in church. He's a rewarder of those that sing the loudest. He's a rewarder of those that really know how to boogie for Christ. I'm showing my age now. (laughs) He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So when we go to pray, we go with joy, knowing that our Father sees us going into that prayer closet and that he has a reward waiting for us. How many of us have missed our reward because we've missed our time with God? How many of you are believing for unsaved loved ones? How many of you, you say, the only reward I want is to see them in heaven? Well, if that's the only reward you're going for, get your face into the secret place. And I'm saying the same thing to me. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. What are the rewards of prayer? Well, the first reward of prayer is God himself. You know, how many of you, when you've, you've been caught up in prayer, you know, just praying in the Holy Spirit? You feel that presence, that warm presence come into your room. The atmosphere begins to change, and you know that Jesus is right there with you. You can't buy that with money. You really can't. That's, that's a reward. Jesus himself is the reward. The fellowship, the friendship. But he also says this. He says that those that seek him, he reveals his secrets to them. So God has things he wants to tell you, but that's part of the reward. You with me still? I'm going. Reason number four, why do we pray? Because prayer builds our confidence. You could say prayer builds our faith. When we go out to witness to somebody or we lay hands on somebody, it's prayer that builds our confidence. 1 John 514, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, somebody say whatever. Whatever Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Isn't that a powerful verse to bring? before the throne of God and say, Lord, you said whatever I ask. Lord, that's my son who's on drugs. That's my daughter who's behind bars. That's my grandchild, Lord, that hasn't been to church ever in their life, Lord. You said whatever I ask. You see, and and as we speak his words back to him, God is one who fulfills his word, right? He doesn't allow those words to come back to him void, the Bible says. So the more we pray, the more we know when we are praying the will of God. The more we pray, the more we know when the answer is on the way. The old-timers used to call this praying through. When you are in the habit of prayer, there are sometimes and those of you that are intercessors will know this there are sometimes that you can be praying about something all day long, just all day long, and you still feel what we call burden. <laughs> it's heavy on your heart it's not released yet but then at some point you feel that thing lift and you know the answer's on the way sometimes you can pray 5 minutes 5 minutes and you're praying in the holy ghost and you're praying in the holy and there's an earnestness and you feel it lift and you know The answer's on the way. So there's no set time, but we know as we become familiar with the movings of the Holy Spirit, we know when we have touched God and when the answer's on the way. It may not come tonight or tomorrow, but we know God's heard us. Let me tell you a little story. I I remember I was (laughs) having a, a shoulder issue for about three months. I couldn't lift my arm past like halfway. The shoulder was frozen. And so when I went to uh, physical therapy for them to work on it, it seemed like it got worse. I couldn't lift it at all. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And uh, I thought, Lord, you're going to have to do something. Well, I heard in Oklahoma City that there was a healing evangelist coming. And right away, I said, I'm going to go get healed. And I drove the five and a half hours, and they were really kind. They knew who I was. They put me in the front row. I didn't come to hear anybody preach. I came to get healed, just being honest. I know the movings of the Holy Spirit. And this particular gentleman knew how to establish the worship atmosphere. So I'm worshiping God, and I felt that healing, anointing come in the room. So all of a sudden, I start moving my arms. I said, okay, Lord, you're troubling the waters, you know. And I I said, I tried to lift it Oh, couldn't, nope, still stiff, that's okay. I went back and forth, went back and forth, and you know, still still a little stiff. I kept trying, nope, not there, thank you, Jesus, I know you're here to heal me, didn't I? Just kept going, moving it. Well, I went and drove all the way back to Tyler, and I still couldn't move it, but I knew in my heart I was healed. Everybody say three days, three days later. I forgot completely about, but I got out of the shower and was towel drying my hair and got the hair dryer out and I was, whoosh, 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 and I suddenly it dawned on me, <laughs> what arm is that? Wait, maybe it was this one. No, it was this one. Look at God. You know? And I begin to move that thing all around. Listen, it may not come that same day, but if you know how to pray, you know when the answer comes. Hallelujah. You'll sense that I'm already here. I have the petitions that I ask of him. See, look, the more we pray, the more confident we become in him. And the quicker we go back to the place of prayer. Now, I want you to hear this. This is worth writing down. The devil is always trying to steal our confidence by giving false evidence. He is a master manipulator. He's always throwing up smoke screens. He wants you to believe a lie. That's a seducing spirit. And so that's why when we pray, we pray with the document in our hand. Amen. I don't care what smoke stream you're showing me or what kind of false evidence, but my word says oh, yeah. it is written like Jesus taught us, right? This is the way we pray. We say, God, I thank you. It's already part of divine covenant. I don't have to make it happen. You already made it happen. It's signed in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's already done. See, when you can begin to preach back to God what he's preached to you, the devil can't stand all that word. He hates it. And the more we pray and the more we pray with the Word of God, the greater our declarations will be. Many of you know who Dodie Osteen is. Uh, she's still alive and kicking, 80 some years of age. But years and years ago, long before I met her, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she was told that she'd be dead in two weeks. Very fast moving cancer. And she said when she got home to her house, the only thing she could hear in her ear was cancer. And it was a loud voice. And she said the only thing she knew how to do was get every healing scripture she could find. And she got them on the floor, and she'd get out on the floor herself. And every day she'd quote back to God the healing scriptures, and she'd say them out loud. And she said the more she said them, that loud voice cancer got lower, cancer, and she said, I got him, and so she got louder, I am healed by his stripes, he blesses my food and my water, he takes sickness from the midst of me, he forgives all my iniquity, he heals all my diseases, she said at the end of the week, she heard like the little mouse, cancer, She said, I know it. I'm healed. I'm healed. He's a lying devil. She went back to the doctor. He was scratching his head. Don't you love it when God causes doctors to scratch their head? See, this thing that we're in, we're, we are doing it as emissaries of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're different than the rest of society out there that just shall live by faith and faith in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Reason number five, prayer affects our society. If you want to get a good reason why we don't have revival, just look at what's happening in the schools. All this gender craziness, all these things written into law, you want to know the world has gone crazy, don't you blame a political party. The blame is on a prayerless church. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, that's prayer with tears, when's the last time that's happened, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I get so mad when I read that scripture, because there's certain people I can't give thanks for. Lord, I I can't give thanks for that. But he says for kings and all who are in authority that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Why didn't we give thanks when we had a righteous person in office? That might be a reason why we have a you-know-what in office. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, prayer is what causes us to live peaceably. It's not necessarily saying that everybody who's going to be in office is going to be a Christian. That's not what it's saying. But it does say that prayer makes a difference. We don't blame the political party, but we blame a church that's lost its hope and lost faith. Now listen. I am, I am of a political party that sometimes disappoints me. And I, ha- I do vote, and I do have favorites, but I don't preach it. Because there is no person that can take the place and the role of Jesus. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. And I don't know about you, I have found a lot of people in the church that's disappointed me. So, how much more a political party is going to disappoint me? See, it's not about playing favorites. It's about, look, God, we need to get this revival underway. Whoever's in office doesn't matter. And I'll do my part, I'll vote, whatever. But I'm not going to take the pulpit and preach about political parties. Not going to do it. Why? Because I'm not so convinced that either political party is going to change this nation. But I know what the Bible says, 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. It's quiet in here. <laughs> then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So To me, that's the checklist. First of all, have I humbled myself before God? Have I been praying? Is there any wicked way in me, God? Lord, I want revival. Our land needs to be healed. Some of the great revivals were birthed out of two women praying. They met in a church, two blind women praying. I believe that was the Hebrides revival. It began through prayer. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes people who are earnest before the Lord. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. You know, I was, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Her husband had an opportunity to go to Seoul, Korea and meet with a successor of Dr. Cho. And uh, it, those of you who don't know, Dr. Cho at one time had the largest church in the world I believe it was about 600,000 at at its peak. It's still the largest church in the world. But I heard this when I was in South Korea, and it was corroborated by my friend, that even though Pastor Cho and his mother-in-law actually began the prayer movement that started revival back in the 60s and 70s, the next generation hasn't picked it up. And what I was told, that the next generation, we're talking about the 30-somethings, the 20-somethings, they went the way of the United States. Materialism, iPhones, Hollywood, style, music. Anybody hearing me? More familiar with the things of the world. And what does the Bible say? If you love the world... The love of the Father's not in you. So if we give our hearts over to the love of the world, don't fool yourself in thinking that you're going to spend time in prayer. I don't care if it's Vanna White. I don't care, you know, if it's the news. I don't care what it is. If anything's taken the place of prayer, we got to say, God, forgive me. Because we can complain about how bad things are all we want. But if we really want revival... We gotta take God at His word. If my people. Aren't you glad I'm preaching such a (laughs) good word. word. I'm giving you meat and potatoes today. I'll give you a little dessert tonight, okay? (laughs) Reason number six. Prayer, the reason why we pray, prayer is the key to our victory. Everywhere I go, I find depressed Christians oppressed Christians, Christians about to give up, Christians in and out of the world. I don't know if you ever run into them, but that, it's, a, it's a key sign that there are people that are, aren't committed to being in the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, you know it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. your eyes, and open up to let you see who you're really fighting against. I'm going to tell you, it's not your mother-in-law. You have a horde of demonic forces that are trying to discourage you and hinder you from prayer. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench some of the fiery darks of the wicked one. Oh! And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying a few times a week, That would say praying on Sunday, praying when you feel good, praying when things get desperate, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, what we have to understand, demonic hordes are always fighting against us. This is why we sometimes see a person who's got one sickness after another. You ever see that kind of person? One sickness after another. That's a spirit of infirmity. You see people that have anger that come up in in the midst seemingly out of nowhere, right? That's a spirit that evokes anger. Weariness, people who are young and strong and eat healthy, but they don't have enough strength to get through their day. Weariness, it's besetting, it's tormenting. There's constant lies, I get this a lot in my head, of unworthiness or you don't have enough to make it. Does anybody else have that? Or the feeling like you'll never fulfill the call of God on your life. See, these are lies the enemy. He knows how to push our buttons. Maybe, you know, our Facebook post didn't get as many likes as our friends. Oh Lord, I'm backslidden. Oh Lord, I didn't have the anointing on that one. Oh God, help me!" I mean, come on. Can we get any more petty? I mean, seriously. Our loins girded about with truth. The enemy is going, now I want you to hear this, the enemy is going for our core. And in war, back in the Roman day, that's why they made sure there was a shield, something around their heart, something around that soft place, that core of strength, because they could easily take somebody out by thrusting a sword through. And that's what the enemy's doing. He's targeting your core, your core values, your emotions, the things that make you tick, your strength. He's trying to attack that so he can eliminate you from the evangelism force. Anybody hearing me? That's why we are girded about with truth, because the enemy is an expert liar and deceiver. And he will do anything he can to gnaw away at the truth to immobilize you. He attacks our feet, always coming against our forward movement. It seems like sometimes we take one step forward and take two steps back. It's because the enemy, he's trying to keep us from advancing. That's why we've got our feet shod excuse me, so that we'll always be ready to run. He attacks our minds, the full frontal assault, but prayer, strong prayer, unrelenting prayer, even violent prayer, the sword of the Spirit in our hands, right? Which is the Word of God. This is the way we combat the strategies of the enemy. I want to give you reason number seven, and I don't hear this preached too often. You search the scriptures on your own, but I'm sad that it's not preached too often. But I believe prayer keeps us rapture ready. There is a doctrine in the church. Rapture is one of them. But the one that's most prevalent in the New Testament is the doctrine of preparedness or watchfulness. Jesus told us to be watchful, that that day doesn't come upon us like a thief in the night. He told us not to be asleep, told us to be alert, watch therefore. And prayer in the the night watches was for that reason that there was always within the body of Christ somebody that was alert to what was going on in the spirit realm. And see, we don't all have to stay up all night long, but God can call Cherie. Hey, out of her bed at 2 o'clock, she's wide awake. Well, why am I awake at 2 o'clock, God? It's not to take the puppy out. That was me the last week. (laughs) But why... (laughs) Why am, I, why am I awake at 2 o'clock, God? And we begin to pray. I remember Jack Hayford. How many remember that name? He used to say that he'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes it was just because he ate something the night before, but sometimes the Lord had to get up to pray. So he didn't want to lose sleep, but he said, Lord, if you're calling me to get up to pray, let, wake me up exactly at 3 nine. And then I'll know it's you. And he'd say many, 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 many times he'd wake up and the clock said 3.09. And he'd get up and pray for an hour. Sometimes he'd get up at 3.02 and he went back to sleep. See, if we were that alert to the Lord, that, Lord, you need me to pray, you need me, who is it, God? Do you ever have that feeling? Like God's put, who am I praying for, Lord? The Holy Ghost just begins to, and sometimes He tells you, and sometimes He doesn't. But we better be ones that are on the ready, prepared, and watchful, with a daily humility before God. He, the Bible talks about we are those that look for and love His appearance. You looking for Him? I am. My dad used to say it this way. I stopped looking for him. I'm just listening right now. (laughs) I'm listening for the sound of that trumpet. (laughs) See, all attitudes that are birthed and strengthened through prayer and the word of God are ones that keep our heart ready to meet Jesus. This is what Jude says, Jude verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep. Yourselves in the love of God. You see, that's that rapture ready, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I was holding my puppy. Those of you that don't know, I, I'm so thankful to Cherie. She she gave me a, an opportunity to take a nap yesterday. <laughs> she watched my little baby, and Titus did too. Um, my niece has her today. But I was holding my little puppy the other day and I just began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And this squirmy little wiggle worm who's usually trying to get out of my arms, when I was holding her and I was praying in the Holy Ghost, she just stopped and she looked up at me and she put her head down like she was praying to. <laughs> Listen, we don't know. There's, we don't know what it's communicated through our prayer language. The presence of God is literally with us when we're praying. You want the devil out of your room real quick? Pray in the Holy Ghost. He hates it. You want those evil thoughts out of your mind? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Those vindictive thoughts about getting back at somebody? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Right? Right? That, that worry that tries to keep us up at night because we don't know how we're going to pay the next bill? Pray in the Holy Ghost. You see, we are people who we can be the birthers of revival if we'll just get away from the hype. Because <laughs> hype doesn't bring revival. But if we say, God, I'm sick and tired of hype. I'm sick and tired of religion. I'm sick and tired of the same old, same old. If, if nobody else joins me, I'm going into the secret place every day, Lord. I'm getting alone with you. I'm, I want you to get that prayer wheel turning over and over again, Lord. I want the fire of God to burn in me as never before. Now, tonight, I want the privilege of laying hands on you. But this morning, this isn't really a lay hands on message. So I'm going to do something just a little bit differently. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Pastor Siggy, could you just move this to the side? Move back here just a little bit. If you say, Donna, as you're preaching, my heart was saying, I really need to get back to the basics, that first things first, and really get an intense relationship with prayer. Would you agree with me? that something could be imparted in my life right now. If that's you, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. Just come and join me down here. Just come stand around this altar saying, that's me. I want to see revival birth, and I want to have a part of it. I work hard, but I want to work at prayer. Amen. Amen. Just stretch your hands toward heaven. Would you just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? Yeah, come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just begin to release all of your concerns, your heaviness to God. All the excuses. All of the things that we've been distracted by. Oh remando roshike Father, many in this room, they have a call to be used of you, Lord. They have a hunger to be soul winners, God. They have family members that need to be drawn back to your side, Lord. And Father, we've spent a lot of times talking about it, and we've spent a lot of times sometimes worrying about it. But, Lord, I pray that there'll come a turn in our spirit. There'll come a turn in our confidence, God, that we will begin to rise up with the authority that you've given us through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, and we will begin to declare who you are in our lives that, God, we will begin to call down the kingdom of heaven into this world. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven today, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give us a baptism of prayer, a baptism of fire, that, Lord, in our spirit there'll be an intensity, that even as we're walking down the street, God, that prayer will would be turning. Lord, that you'll wake us up in the middle of the night and we'll begin to intercede for somebody, Lord. Father, you'll begin to put your agenda on our hearts. The agenda for Oklahoma City. The agenda, Lord, for Oklahoma. The agenda for our nation the agenda for the nations of the world. Lord, let it be done on earth that's in your heart. Your will be done. Come on, pray it out right now. Pray it out. Lord, so many desire to have miracles and healing released through their hands and fingertips. I ask you, God, that that spirit of prayer We'll begin to birth a hunger. Father, that we will have a confidence in prayer. We'll have a release of faith, Lord. We'll see what you are doing and we'll call it out in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're opening up our eyes. That we're not living according to our world's culture, but we're living according to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Father, I thank you that the Winner's Church, we will not be a, a church that's dependent upon a man or a woman, but we will be those that are dependent only on the power and the authority of God. Strengthen us in our core, strengthen us in our heart. I take authority over every lying spirit, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of doubt, every spirit of oppression, and I command you in the name of Jesus, be gone. Be gone, you lying devil. Now just lift up your hands and begin to praise Him. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him for that river of life, that river of life, that river of life. Oh, it flows from the throne. It flows through me. It touches lives. It brings transformation thank you God you're raising up prophets to this nation thank you God you're raising up true ministers of the gospel thank you God you're raising up those that point to Jesus as Lord I thank you God for a baptism of holiness Lord in your church he la rada ba koro kando, ro di a ba Now just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost as the Holy Ghost gives unction. Kori shi, ro ba 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 koro shando rada kud. Oh, Ramanda kara shia Come on, don't get tired. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I can do this here because you guys are a little weird. I want you to walk up and down the aisles all around the front, and I want you to start praying for the next service, that God is going to draw in the unsaved, those that are going to give their hearts to Jesus, and that the Holy Ghost is going to fall on them. Even tonight. Some of you are going to bring somebody back tonight. And God's going to do a work. I release you to go do that praying right now. Come on, do it up and down the aisles. In and out of the seats. Come on, pray out loud and on purpose. That's it. Lord, fill this place with your glory. Fill this place. Lord, I pray there won't be room enough to contain those that are coming to know you, drawing men and women, boys and girls. Thank you, God. Drawing the hungry, setting the hungry free. Lord, draw all nations, our people groups. Raise up mighty men and women from the teenage community, God. Raise them up. bokoshi. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, saturate this place with your anointing. <laughs> no devil's going to have a home here. <laughs> this will be where devils come to die. Hallelujah. <laughs> In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, can you lift your hands and thank God for what He's doing? Are you excited about what God's going to do? Pastor Siggy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, we can have confidence that God will answer our prayer. Do you know why? Because the Bible says. God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Amen. Amen. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all people should inherit eternal life. So when we pray for the lost, when we pray for those that are in need of salvation, when we believe God to fill this place full of those people, that's His desire. That's His will. You know, uh, if you ever want to know what the will of God is, all you've got to do is look into the Word of God. His will and his word are one and the same. Amen. Thank God. Well, let's lift our hands and thank God one more time for all the wonderful things that he has said to us.